CSN International presents to every man an answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Ordinary Tuesday. That's right. No Cyber Monday, no Black Friday, just just Tuesday. So glad you've joined us. Look forward to being with you each and every weekday afternoon this time. We set this time aside, answering questions about the Bible from the Bible, look at current events through a biblical perspective, and also what we hear in church, is it even in the Bible at all? So if you've got a question, you'd like to call us, maybe you've been sharing your faith, someone's asked you a question or reading your Bible and you come across something you don't understand, that's why we like to get together every weekday at this time to answer this question for you. It's live radio. We just want you to give us a call. Again, 8888-ASK-CSN. Toll free. Look forward to talking to you. Got some lines open, by the way. So if you call, you're sure to get on. Joining me today, special guest, John Randall from Calvary Chapel, South OC in Southern California, almost to San Diego County, right down there by Escondido. Hi and welcome. Uh, Mike, great to be with you today. God bless you, brother. Always a blessing to be with you. Looking forward to answering some questions with you and all the wonderful things going on. Again, just regular Tuesday today. We don't have any cyber or astro punk Tuesday or anything. You know, you got all these different names um, coming up on things. I don't know. I don't. Why, why do they do that anyway? Yeah, that's a good question, Mike. I think, uh, you know, primarily it's to, um, for charitable reasons, people look at uh, Black Friday and then they go to, you know, Cyber Monday, get another deal if you want to order online. And then today is actually, if you didn't know this, it's Giving Tuesday. So a lot of, a lot of charitable organizations, nonprofits will send out messages encouraging you to give on Giving Tuesday. It's kind of, they just kind of, I don't know what's going to happen. I stand corrected. I thought it was Ordinary Tuesday. It's Giving Tuesday. It is. Tuesday. Is Ordinary Tuesday. There you go. So there you go. <laughs> anyway, look forward to answering some questions with you. We got some calls. Let's go ahead and go to the phones. We have Steve on the line, Grants Pass, Oregon. Hi and welcome. How are you doing? Um, Good. How many I had a um, – my question is um, you talked about blaspheme, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Okay, yes. and see, blaspheme the Holy Spirit, and he stops convicting you. But then later – you become a born-again Christian, can you go to heaven? Absolutely. I believe anybody, the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. Uh, That's what it says. That's what it means. It doesn't matter what Calvinism or anybody else says. Those that call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. For God so loved the world. God chose the whole world. The problem today is people aren't choosing him. So to be about our daddy's business, and again, the Great Commission, preach the gospel to every creature, that's exactly what we do with the hopes and the prayers that that person, that message of their sins can be forgiven. You can have a wonderful uh, eternity in heaven with the Lord. All your past is gone. Uh, All the wicked things we've done, they won't chase us through uh, the history of time. That's the great news of the gospel. And when you really look at this, 
what a wonderful thing to to get something you can never lose and trade for something you you can't keep. You can't keep your own life. Uh, you're a heartbeat away from leaving it all. And so, no, I believe, as the Bible says, whosoever will may come, those that call in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Your thoughts? Well, you know, when you think about what the Bible refers to as the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, it's found there in Mark's gospel in the third chapter. And in that context, Jesus was had just performed a series of miracles to which the religious leaders attributed those miracles to, rather than to the Spirit, to demons. And Jesus warned them about the blasphemy of the Spirit. You know, when it comes to the purpose and work of the Holy Spirit, it's to convict people of sin and to draw people to Jesus Christ in salvation. Most people who have committed the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit um, are not concerned about it. They have no concern or desire to know Jesus yet. Um, they're living without him, denying him. You know, there's only one sin, really, that sends a person to hell, and that's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which is denying the work of the Holy Spirit in salvation, which, to Mike, to me, is amazing that there's only one sin. And the fact is, God's forgiven all of our sins, but the person ends up apart from God in a place called hell if they refuse to come to Jesus as their Savior. That's the only thing just not responding to Jesus as your Savior, which I find tremendous encouragement today that he can forgive all of our sins. But the person that commits a blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, most of the time, they're not even aware of it. They don't care about it. You ask somebody, most times a Christian will say, did I commit the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Listen, you wouldn't even be concerned about it if you had. I believe that you blaspheme the work of the Holy Spirit when you deny Jesus Christ as your Savior and you perish without him. Yeah, the obvious miracles that Jesus did um, and what was so bad and shows the hardness of heart that when Jesus brought Lazarus back to life, they said, now we not only have to kill Jesus, but mm-hmm. Lazarus also. Well, why would you want to kill Lazarus? Because you have a walking, living example of the power of the resurrection in Jesus Christ, in Lazarus, walking around a full on demonstration of the power of God. And you got to get rid of that, too. So uh, it shows what kind of murderous hearts they actually had and how dark their hearts really were. Uh, But uh, again, uh, I believe the Holy Spirit will—that's why we pray for Mm. our lost loved ones. We continue to pray for them that the Holy Spirit would convict them of their sin. Maybe the Holy Spirit would not go back to that person if it wasn't for us praying for them. I don't know. But I do know God honors the fervent prayer of a righteous man, according to the book of James. So we want to do that. Hope that helps. Oh, yeah, it really does. Thank you so, so much. I was really afraid. No, no, no. You can't commit yeah. the you, 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 you can't commit the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. First of all, I believe as a, a believer, you can walk away from God and the Bible has ample uh, illustrations of that, whether it's uh, the five churches churches in Revelation or the book of James, the book of Jude, Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 24, the last five verses. Uh, you know, we, we have a, 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 a I, I believe that that verse, I believe, has to do with a person coming to Christ. And I think some people slam the door on the Holy Spirit's voice for the very last time. And God just doesn't bother them. They send away. You might say they're days of grace. Uh, but I, I still believe that we need to pray for the lost because I do believe God opens doors that 
normally otherwise mm -hmm. would be closed. You know, Steve, Mike, I was down. thinking there's yeah, that one passage, that one other passage that comes to mind, Paul the Apostle in First Timothy, when he tells uh, Timothy his testimony, he says, I was formerly a blasphemer, but obviously Paul had been forgiven. So we can be forgiven of any sin. But like you said, people that are committing the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, they're not concerned about it like our brother that just called. Yeah, and I really believe you don't complete the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit till you die. I agree. I think that's probably the better way to say it, because there are blasphemers all the way through uh, the Bible who who repented. That's right. But it's being in a blasphemous state towards God or the rejection of the Holy mm. Spirit when you die there's no other hope for you. You, right. you, you, you're going to die in your sins. So mm -hmm. Steve, stay online. We'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs and the new DVD we have, which has actually three movies in it. It's the movie Magdalena, the story of Mary Magdalene. It has the life of Jesus, which is uh, just a, a, a quick look. And basically what you hear is the book of Luke being read to you while this is all done. And then the story of Jesus, which is targeted more for uh, younger children. So send that out to you, Stan Wayne. We'll get that out to you. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I have, uh, I am a born again Christian. I did listen. I was Wonderful. just curious because if I had, I didn't know that you could be forgiven for it. And I thank you so much. Yeah, there's only two sins in the Bible that I see you can't be forgiven for. And that is taking the mark of the beast and the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, I believe, happens when you die. And taking the mark of the beast, uh, when you have angels flying through the midst of heaven, 144,000 Jews that are witnesses for the Lord, uh, servants, uh, warning the people of the earth. Uh, you have the prophets in the streets of Jerusalem. And then you see this huge number of people who were beheaded for their faith, um, who refused that mark. It tells uh, me how serious uh, that matter actually is. And so I uh, hope that helps. Stay in line. We'll get you taken care of. Let's go to Sean, Kalinga, California. Hi, welcome. Hi, Pastor. My name is Sean, and I have a question uh, about uh, suicide. Um, yes. Back in 1978, I was 11 years old, and I had an 11-year-old friend that committed suicide because his family abused him physically, and he took his own life. But he wasn't saved. He wasn't in the religion like I like I am now. I was wondering if he if I would see him in heaven, or is he cast out? Well, the Bible talks about uh, the age. Well, actually, it it talks about um, that time when we're we recognize our sin, and that uh, would be called the age of accountability. I believe for some it can be very young. I believe for some it's actually older, probably quite often uh, children in Christian homes. I believe it's actually later because I think children tend to live off their uh, parents' Christian morale uh, when, they're, when they're growing up in the home. But you know, I, I don't know anybody on this earth spiritual enough to tell you, oh, yeah, you'll see him in heaven, or no, you won't. I believe there are special cases in the Bible, and certainly this would be one where a child kills himself because of the total crazy stuff going on in his home. John, your thoughts? You know, it's such a, a difficult question because it affects all of us in so many different ways. And Mike. what a tragic, 
Tragic question. Absolutely. And there's so many people who have been affected by this. Certainly we saw over the last two years that particular statistic only went up due to all the isolation and everything that people went through. But, you know, um, I think of some people in scripture like Solomon. I think of another thought comes to mind of Elijah, of Moses, even of Paul himself. There were times when they mentioned, Lord, just just take me out of here. And like they wanted to go. They were struggling with with despair. And I'm glad that the Bible records that. But what I kind of would like to speak to, Mike, is that if there's anybody out there listening today who actually is struggling with this and you're believing, and by the way, these are the lies of the devil. There is a reason for your existence. There is a purpose for your life. Don't believe that. You need to reach out and get help. God loves you. He has a plan. And some people, Mike, sadly, they bought into it and and the devil has taken them out. I've I've done memorials for people who have committed suicide. Either they had overdosed on drugs or they had been believers at one time and they just couldn't deal with life. I don't really know the answers, but I know that God is good. He's the author and finisher of our faith. He, he's the giver of life and, and he desires to give it to us more abundantly. There's reason to live. Amen. So Sean, I guess that's one we're just going to have to wait till we get there on, you know? <laughs> yes. Well, thank you, pastors. Well, God bless you. Thanks so much for the call. Send you out the uh, DVDs as well as a couple of books. Stay on the line. We'll get you taken care of. And again, this great uh, movie, Jesus, uh, The Life of Jesus, uh, the story of Mary Magdalene, and uh, the story of Jesus, which is for children. The Life of Jesus for the adults, Story of Jesus for the kids, all on one DVD. We'll get that out to you. Merry Christmas. With that, we'll go to Isaac in Carson City, Nevada. Hi, welcome. Um, hi. Hi. How may we help? Uh, so I was watching the video, God of Wonders, that I found from, that I got from my dad when I was watching it with him. It says that, um, the universe is very, uh, infinite and how it's still expanding. But then I had a question on why would God only put life on earth, just earth? Well, I'm not exactly sure I can answer that question, but we find no signs of life anywhere else in the universe. Anywhere. They got to the moon. They thought they would find some microscopic uh, cells or bugs. Nothing. They got to Mars. They thought they'd find some microscopic cells or something. Nothing. They searched the skies with radio telescopes trying to find signals from other planets. Nothing. We find no life anywhere else in the universe than here. You ask the question, well, why would God do that? Well, first of all, it tells me, number one, we're not a cosmic accident. We're divinely placed. Number two is that there's something then very special about us being here. What does God want from his creation? And it is interesting when you really examine why we are here It was so the father found his son a bride. We find a similar story when Isaac was of age and needed a bride. We remember that the unnamed servant went back to Abram's homeland and said, Lord, the one who comes out and offers to water the camels, that would be the one. Well, what's the odds of that in the first place? Sure enough, a girl comes up and says, can I water your camels? And that was probably better part of a whole day's work, pulling the water up from a deep well, pouring it in troughs so the animals could drink. Showed a real servant's heart. 
He then gave her gold and silver and took her over and said, can I go to your house and went to your house and explained to her parents on the mission that he was on to find his master, a servant. And the interesting thing about Rebecca is she said, I will go. Now, very similar to us, us invited by that invisible Holy Spirit to go to a place we've never been to be married to somebody that we've never physically ever met. What an interesting story. But you see, this is how God chose to do it. And I believe this is why he chose to do it. So what's hard for God? Nothing. He could have creatures living on the moon, Mars, Jupiter, you name it. Uh, uh, Centauri, you name it. We don't find anything like that. So I believe that it's very unique, not only that we're here, not a cosmic accident, but then why are we here? And I believe when we look at the God, look at the Bible and God's Word, it tells us your thoughts. You know, Isaac, I'm so glad that you asked that question about creation. I find that myself, I am pretty amazed at, and that's an understatement, at what God has created. In fact, the Bible does tell us in Psalm 19, verse 1, that the heavens declare the glory of the Lord and the firmament shows his handiwork. Furthermore, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans that God's invisible attributes are clearly seen by the things that he has created. When David was there, probably looking up into the stars, being the shepherd that he was in Psalm 8, he said, I consider your heavens. He said, they're the work of your fingers and the moon and the stars, which you have ordained. And then he went on to say, Lord, I'm amazed that you would consider me. And I I don't know why God didn't put life on other planets, but he did put life on this planet. And he loves us so much that he sent his one and only son to come and die in order to redeem those who are on this planet. And Mike, the Bible does tell us that one day, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And that's pretty exciting to think about as well. Amen. So hope that answers it for you, Isaac. Um, yeah, thanks. I uh, just want to tell you that um, we love everything that you guys have done. Uh, me and my dad always listen to you guys right after he picked me up at school. So we just Wonderful. really appreciate you guys. Well, I got a special present for you. You stay on the line and I'm going to get you out these three films on Jesus. Very, uh, very well done based off uh, the Genesis series. Um, Just absolutely first class. And uh, what you see in the film, the colors, the places where they lived, all this is all accurate. Unlike a lot of the programs like The Chosen and some of these other ones that take way too far many liberties that they should not be taking. This is actually accurate. And what you hear being read to you is the book of Luke. And so it's really great. Stay in line. I'll get that out to you, Isaac. And again, so good to watch the uh, God of Wonders, the expanding universe. That means if you go backwards, it's a contracting universe back to a point. And we go back to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, it's interesting, again, that even the Big Bang speaks of the glory of God. Stay in line, Isaac. We'll get you taken care of. Let's go to Kelly in Anaheim, California. Hi, welcome. Hi. Hi. I have a very basic, simple question. Um, my question is that when we dwell for all eternity with the Lord, and there's still going to be angels in heaven or here, um, my question is why? what's to reassure us that the that there won't be another angel or angelic being that 
chooses the same path as Lucifer chose and turns bad or that kind of a thing. Well, I think because they actually have an example of what happens when you do, uh, you know, you know, um, don't put your tongue in a light socket. Well, I, I, I don't know if I really believe that or not. So, you know, somebody that goes and puts their tongue in a light socket, blows their tongue off. Um, how do I know that that person isn't going to want to go put his tongue in a light socket again? Well, probably because of the damage that was done or everybody else watching that damage. I believe that's the way it is in heaven. I think the angels that kept not their first estate that are here on this earth and the fierce ones chained in the bottom of the Euphrates and in the Abuso, I believe those are the ones that, that, uh, will be cast the lake of fire that burns forever. I mean, would you cause a rebellion to only see what would eventually happen to you when you do such a thing? So I believe that this is part of it. And up to the time of Lucifer's rebellion, there had been no sin mentioned. Again, God said, let us make man in our image. I believe this is what really angered the devil. A little lower than the angels didn't bother Lucifer or any of the other angels. But then the Bible says he's going to elevate this new creation called humans above the angels. First uh, Corinthians chapter 6 says, do you not know someday you will judge angels? Uh, speaking of us as humans, we'll judge them for all the evil, terrible things that the fallen angels have done to mankind over the, over the millennia. But also to call him his bride, to call this new creation his bride. And whatever it was, was so monumentous that a third of the stars joined with Lucifer in that rebellion. But I don't believe that will happen again based upon just the the obvious result of what happens when someone does that. And why we will never do that is because, first of all, we'll be in a glorified body that's not prone to sin. And number two, we also know what happens when you rebel against God. So I believe that, no, that's why I believe we were allowed to go through the things we go through on this earth. You know, somebody asked the question, well, if God ultimately knows those that make it, those that don't, why do we got to go through this zoo we call living? Well, I don't believe it's for God's uh, uh, benefit. It's for ours. It's to know where we came from. The Bible says in heaven we'll be known as we're known. That means when we walk into heaven, we just all of a sudden don't remember anything that happened to us on this earth. I believe very much so that those things are very much to remind us of, of, of what God gave us through his son, what God has provided us with as far as experience as we rule and reign with Christ over that millennial thousand-year reign of Christ. Your thoughts, John? Well, two things come to mind. I appreciate the question, Kelly. And the first one is we have the word of God. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 14, it says, God will wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, which is what sin produces. No more sorrow, crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things have passed away. And then in Isaiah chapter 46 and verse 10, the Lord declares this through his prophet, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand 
and I will do all my pleasure. God has already told us what it's going to be like in the end. It's going to be perfect. There's not going to be any rebellion anymore. His kingdom is going to last forever. So we don't have to worry about, well, what if this happens again? God's already declared it. It won't happen again. So we can know that we're passing into something new, not something old being repeated because God's word says it and we believe it. Or old and being uh, patched up. There you go. The old bailing water black tape thing. No, it's all, behold, the Bible says, again, concerning the new Jerusalem, behold, I make all things new. Mm. Wow. What a neat promise. (laughs) Kelly, hope that helps. Oh, perfect. Um, I've had that thought in my head for a couple months now, and I just don't know who to ask that question to without sounding like a crazy person. So thank you so much. God bless you, Kelly. Stay in line. We'll send you out the uh, package we send everyone, as well as our new movie here that we're giving out to everyone, The Life of Jesus, uh, The Story of Jesus for the Kids, and The Life of Mary Magdalene, all done uh, from the Genesis Project. I think you'll enjoy that. Let's go to Melissa, Oregon. Hi, welcome. I have a question on kinsman redeemer in the Old Testament. Um, that yes. was an Israelite law. But why was John the Baptist forbidding Herod from marrying his brother's sister? It, well, no, he said it's not lawful for you to have your your brother's wife. Uh, his brother wasn't dead. It was adultery. Your thoughts? Yes, that that is the the right response. He wasn't uh, his brother hadn't died, so he wasn't raising up a name for his brother. In fact, the the Herodian dynasty, if you do a little bit of digging, it's rather dark. And uh, it was actually this particular Herod who took from his other brother Herod was actually his niece. I mean, it was a bad thing. And so John just stood up and and told him point blank, this is wrong. And of course, you know what happened to John as a result. He was in prison and eventually he was beheaded for taking his stand. But but what is the kinsman redeemer? Well, the kinsman redeemer is a male relative in the Old Testament, according to various laws, would step in and raise up a name for the deceased brother. One great example, beautiful love story that really pictures Jesus and us being the bride is the book of Ruth, a four-chapter love story that speaks specifically of the kinsman redeemer. And Mike, when you think about it, Jesus is, well, he's our kinsman redeemer. He redeemed us. And uh, so that we could be his bride. It's a beautiful picture there in the Old Testament. So I, I hope that helps, Melissa. That does. I just didn't get it in the New Testament that Herod's brother didn't die. So um, that's good to know. Yeah. You know, you look at John the Baptist, and there's one of those believers in God getting involved in politics. Why don't they stay out of politics? Mm. No, you'll find all the way through the Bible People who love God would stand up to corrupt government. And that was one of them right there. Melissa, stay in line. We'll send you out a couple of DVDs, a couple of books. And again, this great movie, really great for evangelism and great to lend out to people. I know you'll enjoy it. And we are coming up on a break. We don't want anyone to go away. We come back, we'll have a whole lot more of To Every Man and Answer right after these messages. We'll be right back.
Can you imagine getting your college degree and graduating debt-free? Sound crazy? Here's great news. Calvary Chapel University is offering a 25% tuition scholarship on your entire degree program. And with this unique scholarship, you have a realistic way to graduate debt-free. Calvary Chapel University is one of the most affordable Christian universities in the United States, and it's fully accredited and 100% online, so you can study whenever and wherever you want. Calvary Chapel University offers bachelor's degrees and master's in biblical studies with an emphasis in biblical counseling, Christian education, and more. And with solid teachers like Skip Heitzig and David Guzik involved, you can be sure you're getting sound doctrine. This scholarship offer is available for a limited time. Find out more at calvarychapeluniversity.edu. That's calvarychapeluniversity.edu. Apply today. All of us at CSN want to say thank you for your prayers and financial support in 2022. Because of your generosity, we are able to spread the good word around the world. The gift of hope and salvation through biblical teaching is being broadcasted 24 hours a day on 443 radio stations nationwide and worldwide through online streaming and via the CSN app. You make this possible. As the year comes to an end, would you consider making a special year-end donation? As a 5013C, your gift will be a year-end write-off if given before midnight on December 31st. To help further the work of CSN, please go to csnradio.com slash support or call 1-800-357-4226. That's 1-800-357-4226. Of every man answer here on this Tuesday afternoon with John Randall. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. We're going to go right back to the phones we have with us. David on the line in Carson City, Nevada. Hi and welcome. Hi, Mike. Um, my question is regarding the uh, the capitalization of the word "him" or "his," referring to God in the Bible. In some of the texts, it is capitalized, like in Psalm 136, "His love endures forever." that his is capitalized in my NIV, and in some other place in the text it is not. And I did a short study on that, and it said in the, the Hebrew, in the early Hebrews, that there was no capitalization whatsoever, and in Greek there was later. So my question is, is that just the decision of the modern-day translators, whether they choose to capitalize that or not? And I know it's in reverence to God, I believe, isn't it? Yeah, I believe that really it has to do with <clears throat> the the help of the translators to the reader to know when it is speaking of he or him or when it's capitalized, that it is in fact speaking of God. Uh, the context of that verse dictates whether or not it would be capital or not. Uh, you know, it, it, so that, you, you know, it's not talking about King David or somebody else. But when you actually see that it's capitalized, that I believe is to assist the reader to understand that in context, that is speaking of God. Your thoughts? 
Well, I would, I would agree with that, Mike. And when you look at, for example, and I, I think you did a good job, uh, David, in doing your research, because according to the Hebrew, there was no lowercase, uppercase. Um, but when you come to the Greek, there is. And, um, and so I think, I, I think it's more for our benefit than it is um, for theirs. They understood who they were writing about. And, um, but I think it does help when you have that there. Who is it referring to? And when I see that capital letter, I know who it's in reference to and its context. And so I find it to be a benefit for me. Amen. So I hope that helps. Yeah, I totally agree, too. And I know it has to do a lot with, uh, you know, reading before and after the text, uh, immediately before and after, to get the full context of it. Um, yeah, and any any of these new modern versions of the Bible that take away the masculinity of God, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, for God so loved the world that whosoever would believe in her, you know, these kinds of crazy stuff, those are just, they're not worth the the ink and paper they're printed on. So, but when we go back to the original, God is referenced in a masculine form. And we find, again, the importance of this, that we are reflected in God in eternity as his bride. Now, I don't exactly know all that entails, but in Hebrew tradition, to provide for your wife was one of the greatest things that you could do. And I believe this has reflection in that understanding of our eternal position uh, with God forever. So hope that helps. It does. Thank you for your anointed wisdom, both of you guys, a lot. David, stay in line. We'll send you out the uh, package and also the new movie, The Life of Jesus. I think you'll really enjoy that. Stay on. We'll get you taken care of. Let's go to Warren. Oh, by the way. Merry Christmas. Let's go to Warren, Clear Lake, California. Hi, welcome. Oh, hi. Yeah, okay. Um, I have a question. I hear a lot of times from everybody, um, if if Satan can spark up a new um, uh, rebellion and everything, and if he's already in destruction and everybody else is, um, uh, um, you know, we're in eternity with God once the end of... Um, uh, um, the book of Revelation, you know, the end. Once yeah. we get into the very end and we go into eternity, God already knew that He, God sits in eternity right now while everybody else sits in um, their time zone. Yep. And everybody thinks that something could happen differently in eternity, but God knows that there is no other time that anything like that happens. Right. That's why. And by the way, real quickly, John, that's why I appreciated your answer. We find no record of any more rebellions against God in the Bible recorded for us. And so I believe there just simply isn't any more. So. But Warren, yeah, that's a good observation. Yeah. So, eternity is eternity, and we we um, God knows it even right now. While we're in, while we're in our own time zone, God's already been forward and forward and backward in all eternity, and He's that way all through eternity. Right. That's why the Bible talks about to whom He's predestinated, uh, to whom He foreknew. Um, all those verses speak of God's living in eternity right now. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know anything like that. Everything I know has a date hook to it, whether it's a gallon of milk or a car or me. Uh, we all have a date attached to us. God is timeless. Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, first and the last. Revelation chapter 1, Revelation chapter uh, 22. And other places in the Bible, speaking of God living in all times present. So God then does not learn. God knows all things. Now, we learn. We're, we're, and, and that's why the Great Commission says, go preach the gospel to every creature. I don't ultimately know who makes it and who doesn't. That's not my business. My business, God said, Jesus told us, is to preach the gospel to every creature. John, your thoughts? Well, you know, I was thinking about the psalmist was blown away by this too, because I think when you start talking about things like this, it goes beyond our ability to fully comprehend because God is infinite and we are finite. But I was thinking about Psalm uh, 90 verse 4, where the psalmist said, for a thousand years in your sight is as but yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. God is outside of time. He knows the beginning from the end. And there's just certain things about him that only eternity is going to reveal. This side of heaven, we just, we can't fully comprehend it, but it's amazing to to try. So I hope that helps, Warren. It does. And the other point that is, um, uh, there couldn't be another rebellion because God would have told us about it. That's, that's right. That's right. It would be in the Bible, wouldn't it? So that's why we can take great hope in the future to not repeat the mistakes of the past. Stay on line, Warren. We'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs. This new one I think you'll really like. Great for evangelism. Lend it out. Get it back. Lend it out. Get it back. And uh, you'll really enjoy that. Stay on line, Warren. We'll get you taken care of. Merry Christmas to you. Let's go to J.C., Louisville, Kentucky. How and welcome. Hi. How you going, sir? I just got a quick question. So I know that a lot of people are doing CBD now for anxiety and certain things. And I was just wondering, how does a Christian, how should they handle like THC-based CBD and just any CBD in general? Well, I think it's interesting. Joseph Stalin said, you cannot control people without vice. So he made vodka in Russia a dime a gallon. It's interesting that today the liberals want drugs legalized including pot and everything else, and in many states that it is. But they actually want to go one step further and have drug zones where you can go and get any drug you want. Oh, that's right, everybody. Drug, uh, 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 criminal-free drug zones where you can just go and get all. This falls exactly in the whole communist manifesto mentality. Keep them stoned so you can do what you want to do. Well, I do understand that there's probably some medical application for uh, CBD and other things. But, you know, I'm really glad you're on the line with us today, John, because you're from the uh, the, the state of weed. Tell us about it. <laughs> well, uh, thankfully, I don't know much about it personally. But I do know this. There, there are things and, and tests that are being done as it relates to the oil. Uh, of CBD. But I think if you're talking about a Christian, whether they should use it or not, I think you have to examine the THC content of that oil. I think there are medicinal purposes found within the oil, but, but the fact that, Hey, I'm just going to go and I'm going to go get high. And, 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 and people don't understand this, Mike. I think, um, if you're using it for that purpose, um, then here's the thing. That's a gateway. 
it's a gateway drug yeah, to all absolutely. kinds of other things. And so I'm not talking about the CBD oil that has been, you know, the testing on epilepsy, all kinds of things that they're using it for, extracting it in that sense versus that that part of the Bible tells us not to be drunk. It tells us not to be intoxicated. What what kind of effect is it having on me? And for some people, they're medicated because they're just trying to escape uh, what's going on in this world. And um, and God has a better plan than that. He has something called the Holy Spirit, and he can fill you and empower you and change your life. Amen. So, yeah, JC, I don't know. I, you know, I mean, I, I, I believe that there are probably people that benefit from it. Um, but once again, here is the thing. Anything taken to an abuse state is sinful. I don't care what it is. You know, uh, and uh, even food, the Bible talks about gluttony is a sin. Well, is there anything really wrong with food? No, you have to have it to live. But it's the over-abuse of it, the the overindulgence of it is where I believe the problems come from. So, um, you know, we want to be people that that um, uh, reflect the love of God in everything that we say and do. And so, JC, I would just simply say that that I think each person has to pray and find out why I'm using these drugs. Uh, am I doing it to, you know, escape the pain or to alter myself? Mm. Um, and I think this is where we have to be very, very careful. Be not drunk with wine or in excess, Ephesians chapter 5, but be filled with the Spirit. So important. JC, hope that answers it for you. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. Stay online, send you out uh, some DVDs, some some books I think you'll really enjoy. Let's go to Julia in Ohio. Hi, welcome. Hello? Hello. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I was wondering, I have a question. Uh, why did God choose Mary to give birth to Jesus? Also, I just listened to what you said about CBD, and I completely disagree. I think marijuana is great, and we should all just be stoned. <laughs> yeah, then we would be completely ineffective for the kingdom of heaven. We wouldn't ever be about our father's business because we're all loaded to the gills. No, we would never want to do anything like that. That's really not at all what we want to do. But um, your thoughts on why Jesus was born in Mary? Well, she was chosen among women. And it's amazing when you do a study this time of year and you start looking at uh, Luke's gospel and the account of Mary's life that she was so young and yet she was godly, that she had a love for the Lord and and why God chose her. Uh, why does God choose any of us? Because he's gracious. And I think it's important when you consider Mary to realize that she was a servant. She was chosen by the Lord for a specific purpose. And, and she's blessed among women, not above women. And she had the the most amazing privilege ever given to a woman to give birth to the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And when she found out about it, she was surprised herself. I think one of the most beautiful passages this time of year is Mary's Magnificent, where she just praises God for this opportunity to give birth to the Messiah. And when you read that, Mike, you see this woman had a heart of worship for God and was so humble before the Lord. And it's just a, a beautiful example of a servant used by God in a powerful way. And it is interesting that through woman, man fell in the garden, and through woman, man was redeemed in the birth of the Savior. Julia, I hope that helps. And Julia, are you there? Oh, oh yes, I'm have... so sorry. That's all right, Julia. 
So, yeah. Well, one second. I was wondering. Well, I thought that marijuana, it makes you calm. It makes things peace and serene. And I think just the world needs that right now. And then we're all over here all antsy and angry about what? Well, so does alcohol. You know, alcohol does basically the same thing, dear. But very clearly, the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 5, again, be not drunk with wine or in excess, but be filled with the spirit. The Bible says to be instant in season and out of season. I can't be instant in season if I'm loaded or I'm stoned or, hey, man, I'm just feeling the groove on, you know. No, that isn't what the Bible talks about. In fact, it is interesting when Jesus was on the cross, they offered him gall mixed with sour wine to help deaden some of the pain. And he rejected it. You see, I don't believe that this world, that we are guaranteed a life without pain, a life without sorrow. In fact, we find that many, many places through the entirety of Scripture. But here's the thing. I believe through those things, God sensitizes us not only to his spirit, but the needs of others that are going through things as well. John, any last thoughts? Well, I would just say, you know, and I, Julia, I hear what you're saying, and I kind of know the heart behind the question, but here's the thing. Um, there's so much damage that's done as a result. And if you, for example, the fatal car crashes that have increased in number, high percentages due to the legalization of marijuana. And if you're driving down the street and maybe you have a child or you have your husband or your boyfriend or whoever you're driving with, your brother, your sister, and somebody's under the influence of marijuana because it's legalized and they should just mellow out and then they hit your car and one of your loved ones dies like so many are experiencing right now in the state of California and in Colorado where it's up 18%, then I think you'd think differently about that particular comment and um, something to really consider and uh, because it's, it does more damage than it does good. Oh, wow, man. I think I'll put... My foot on the brake. Too late. Yeah, that's dangerous. dangerous. Julia, I hope that helps there. Hey, stay well, in line. I'll send you, out some, send you out some books, some DVDs. This one DVD, you'll really, really like it. The Life of Mary Magdalene. Uh, and uh, it's really cool. So stay in line. We'll get you taken care of, Julia. Merry Christmas to you. Let's go to Jim, Redding, California. Hi, welcome. Hello. Hi. How may we help? Well, I was reading in uh, Jeremiah uh, 29, and it's pretty specific. Uh, you know, when Jeremiah says he's going, he writes the letter, and it's and it's addressed to, you know, a group of people, and the Jews, and the you know, and then talks about in Babylon and and names people and stuff. But then every then it comes to you know verse 12, um, 29, 11, and 12, and then 13, and um, so. A lot of people like to claim those things. So as I was reading that, it's because the letter was to such a specific people. Can we just like uh, generically take those verses out? Because I hear people say that, you know, those verses, you know, you got to use the context of the scripture before and after and and claim those for, you know, what's going on in our lives. Like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, that verse, that's a famous verse. So that was my question. Well, I think that God's Word is applicable to our daily lives. And I think that God does, in fact, give us that hope that comes through His Word and those promises to understand the heart of God towards people that love Him. Now, where the problems come in today with a lot of the bad doctrine 
is because I'm a king, a, a king's kid, I deserve air conditioning, tinted glass, and I never need to see any pain or sorrow in my life. That you do not find in Scripture. Well, you just don't have enough faith, brother. No, you just haven't read your Bible enough, brother. Because if you read your Bible, you'll find that the the uh, the sufferings of the righteous are all the way through the Bible. And whether you look at John the Baptist, as we already mentioned in the program, or even Paul, the sufferings of Paul, shipwrecked day and night in the deep, perils of his own countrymen, perils in the wilderness, all these things that he went through, well, he just wasn't using his magic faith words. That's pure heresy. You see, this is not our home. We're just the passing through. And so God uses these things, I believe, to get us in touch with him and to remind us why we're all still here. Your thoughts? Well, it's a good question that you asked, Jim, and I understand uh, what you mean behind it. Sometimes people will take a particular verse out of its context, not read the verses before. And Prayer of Jabez. Right. And then suddenly apply it to them. Hey, Abraham was wealthy. Therefore, I should be wealthy because God you know, gives wealth and, and et cetera. And I think it's important to use verses in context, but I also think it's important to compare scripture with scripture. So for example, if we're reading Jeremiah 29, 11 and 12, where it says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, the thoughts of peace. I suppose we would cross reference and say, does it say that in other places in the Bible? Is that consistent with the rest of scripture? Let's say in the New Testament, are there places where, where God tells us how he feels about us, where he demonstrates these things? And is this a truth that I could apply to my life? Is it true that God thinks his good thoughts towards me? Um, David said, your thoughts are more than can be numbered. They're more than the sand on the seashore. So it's consistent throughout. But I also agree with you that it's important to keep scriptures in context, lest you take them out of context and you form some false teaching, false doctrine. But this is a truth that could be applied to the believer, even though it is in this context here in Jeremiah. Yeah, well, in this context in Jeremiah, Jeremiah is saying, you guys are going to be carried off into slavery. And then after 70 years, I will return to you and bless you again. But they were being carried off into slavery. And for 70 years, they were in the land of Babylon. Now, God gave these words to remind them that no trial lasts forever. But he said, don't let anybody fool you. Oh, we're going to come back in a year or two. No, get married, have families, you know, uh, all these kinds of things. And then God will bring his blessing on you then. So I really believe the, these ideas, and just as you just said, Jim, they quote these verses, not realizing the context. They were going into slavery into Babylon. And this verse was issued as hope for them. I hope that helps. Yeah, yeah. That, that, uh, so we can apply it to our lives as well. Well, you know, like I tell people, no trial lasts forever. Either God takes us home or he heals us or the job changes or whatever the circumstance that's befriending us, that's causing us the grief. But the thing is, is that is that we hold on to those promises that just as God got the children of Israel through this terrible time of enslavement in Babylon, God was once again going to run his blessing upon them as before. And so, Jim, that's the way we look at the scripture in context, because again, they'll quote these scriptures, but what was the context? You're going into slavery for a long time, 70 years, and you need some hope 
to be able to return back. And that's the, that's the point. The problem is people just like to read the fluffy verses and never mind the things that really cause us to grow. I always tell people, remember, fruit is grown in the valley, not on the mountaintops. And it's when we go through those, those, um, valleys of the shadow of death, we realize what a living Savior means to us. Hope that helps. Jim, stay online. We'll send you out some DVDs, some books, and uh, again, this new uh, Life of Jesus one I think you'll really enjoy, okay? All right, great. Thanks. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Jim. Let's go to Rudy, Apple Valley. Hi and welcome. Yes, pastors. Hi. It's uh, good to speak with you. Um, I just got a question about um, David and Uriah. Um, I had a pastor say that uh, David was bloodthirsty towards Uriah, and I just feel that that's a strong word to say to David when David says in Psalms that uh, that uh, the Lord abhors the bloodthirsty. And I just my question is, was David bloodthirsty towards Uriah? What do you think, John? Well, in Second Samuel chapter sixteen, verse seven, I, I, I assume that the reason why your pastor mentioned that was because these were the words of Shimei as David was fleeing from his son Absalom, who had taken over the kingdom, and everybody knew at this point what David had done. His sin had found him out, and the kingdom was aware, and Absalom was aware. David's fleeing, and as he's fleeing to the other side, a man by the name of Shimei cries out in Second Samuel sixteen seven. And he said, when he cursed David, come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. So I imagine that your pastors probably were referring to the words of Shimei because that's exactly what he called him. And by David's activity, the fact that he would put Uriah up to the front and put him to death and and put really his own death certificate in his hands, give it to Joab to hand to him, and then he pulls back and he dies. And, and the whole thing... Um, you know, that this is what was what was said of him by those around him in the world. So I hope that helps, Rudy. Um, well, Shimei, that, I mean, with that said, that was false accusations because he was talking about um, the, the, the family of Saul, and that was false accusations about Saul. Um, well, again, I just think saying that he was bloodthirsty, it's, it's maybe that's where they got that particular word from. I mean, David was a murderer. The Bible says. I mean, that makes it yeah. clear. He was not only he was an adulterer. Way around he was it. Yeah, he he sinned greatly. And even that, God still forgave him, which is amazing. And God said that he was a man after his own heart, um, which has always uh, been amazing to me. After all that he did, that God's the one that said, David's a man after my own heart. So I hope that helps, Rudy. Raya. What's that? I said, so it's correct to say that he was bloodthirsty towards Uriah, just to confirm my soul? Well, yeah, I, I would say I would say at that particular point, yeah, he was, because he wanted him dead. Uh, and um, so I don't know. You know, John, I don't know how else you could say it. I because, mean, you call because, a murderer bloodthirsty. If, if, a mur- if somebody murders somebody, is that another way of saying they're bloodthirsty? Maybe it's a matter of semantics, but I think the fact is he was a murderer. We know that. And um, so I would say... Uh, the fact that they called them that, it wouldn't surprise me that someone would assume that of David based upon his actions, that it sure looked like he was. I, I suppose we could say that based upon what he had done. So anyway, uh, yeah, because uh, it is certainly the death of Uriah wasn't an accident. It was deliberately set up. The battle was to get hot, then retreat and let him die. Mm. Um, you know, you can call that whatever you want to call it. Bloodthirsty, murder. Uh, but uh, whatever it was, uh, it displeased uh, the heart of God, and 
um, rebuke for it. So, hope yeah, that helps, Rudy. A man, a man of bloodshed, basically. Man of bloodshed. Saying. Yes. Way of and, saying and he was. In fact, that's why God didn't let him build a, a temple for him. Right. That's right. He said, you're a man of bloodshed. That's right. Rudy, we're out of time. Hey, stay online. We'll send you out the books, DVDs. And for David Kelly and the other David, please call us back. We'll put you on first thing tomorrow. So until then, God bless you. Thanks, John, for being on. You got it, brother. God bless. About this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 